Well, hey, Firecracker Department members, I have some great news. You know, Firecracker Department's been around for about a year now, and uh, we have a sponsorship. How cool is that? Front Row Insurance Brokers is the largest Canadian-owned brokerage specializing in arts and entertainment insurance and also specializing in supporting the Firecracker Department. I am thrilled. They provide global coverage for the film, TV, theater, and music industries and their service providers. So really, they just do everything. Their personalized expert advice for all production-related insurance is available throughout the United States and Canada and EU. That means Europe. While low-cost online options are also available for short shoots, photographers, and musicians. So basically, go to frontrowinsurance.com for all your insurance needs, and they'll hook you up. It sounds like they do everything. I like that about insurance. Somebody that can just do everything. Passionate about the arts, better at insurance. That's a pretty good catchphrase. Hey there, it's Naomi Sneekas, and welcome to the Firecracker Department. This is the podcast where each episode I talk to dynamic, interesting, inspiring women in the entertainment industry, and we talk about their victories, their challenges, lessons that they've learned along the way. And we have these great, candid discussions, and sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're touching, but they're always super authentic, and I love them. And you never know where they're going to go. It's kind of one of my favorite things to do, and I'm glad you joined us for it. Uh, this episode, we are talking to Jean Yoon. Now, Jean Yoon, gosh, she is such an artist on so many different levels. She's right now, you'll know her from Kim's Convenience on CBC. Uh, but she's been like a creator, a producer, a writer, a poet. She's done it all. And I remember watching her in shows like the Yoko Ono Project way back when I was in theater school and just being astounded with her, uh, it's commitment. It's like the commitment to the character that I love, love seeing. And um, that's really resonating with me these days. People who like just commit both feet in to things. Uh, if you get a chance, go check out the Kim's Convenience because she brings it into the television world as well. Um, but she's just so interesting. And I love, like, years later, I'm sitting down with her and talking to her about her career and her life. And she's just, you'll really get jazzed from this conversation. Uh, there is a little bit of a f drumbeat going on during this interview. We sh we recorded at uh, Grace and Matthews in one of the offices. And sometimes there's a drumbeat. And at first I was like, oh, crud, there's a drumbeat. But then I was like, no, man, that's like the heart. <laughs> the heart of this episode. So I'm embracing it. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot about, um, like, the commitment. I'm taking a class right now in Los Angeles with Impro Theater. And maybe I've talked about this before. But if you are in Los Angeles and you have a couple extra dollars and some time, I would really encourage you to look into Impro Theater. Even just, just to go watch them. They have um, shows regularly over on Vermont. And uh, they're so talented, this group of people. I mean, they're talented. That's one level of inspiration that I get from these folks. But then there's this level of care and commitment that they have to their craft. And I just, oh my God, I love it. I go and take these classes and I actually have no idea in the class who has experience and who doesn't because everybody's just in it. 
Like, there's folks that I know have um, less experience. Like, maybe they have more of a desk job than on stage job. But that doesn't stop them from bringing me to tears in their scenes because they're so, they're so in it. I keep saying that, but they are like they're we, they we, they're scenes out of nothing, and you see these people that are coming up with text and emotions that are like Oscar worthy. They're so committed, uh, and I I'm really jazzed about that. It's it's an honor, right? It's an honor to. This is what I think about for firecracker department as well. But it's an honor to be around people that just trust that they can be authentic and trust that they can be true around me. I'm really honored by that. Um, and Jean Yoon is no exception. Uh, I also uh, went to see um, Life of the Party with uh, Melissa McCarthy, who I adore. I adore her with my entire being. Uh, like that movie is okay. She wrote and uh, she wrote it with her husband and her husband and Ben Falcone or Falcone. Um, the, he directed it. So the the script is good. Like it's fun. It's a funny movie. But then it's like taken to this other level of depth because you have somebody that cares about her craft as much as somebody like Melissa McCarthy. And she just she just gives her like there's moments that could be trite and silly and instead they're heartfelt and beautiful. I mean, it's astounding. Please go see it. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you're doing. Are you guys taking classes these days? I try to take classes all the time in some sort or another. A, because it's such a great feeling to just be guided along a journey as opposed to having to like muster up the energy to lead yourself or it's such a great feeling. If you're ever lost and kind of going, oh, I don't know what to do, just take a class in something and it'll take you out of your out of your head. Um, I'd love to know what classes you're taking and who, what teachers are inspiring you. Please let us know. There's been this great surge of communication on, um, firecracker department community boards, and I just can't thank you enough. There's such great feedback and there's such great input and it's making our community stronger. And that means you, you are part of this community and it means that there's, you know, this, uh, web of folks that are here to support each other. So if suddenly you're like, oh, I'm writing this thing and I don't know how to do this thing, let us know. Maybe we can put you in touch with somebody that can help you. And I mean, I love, I'd love to make those kind of connections. Uh, we do the last Sunday of every month, remember, is um, Instagram Live, Facebook and Instagram Live. And that's when we talk about the spark question of the month and then launch the next spark question of the month. And But we also talk about what you're doing. So if you ever want to just give your show or your your song or music or your book or something, a plug, please tap in and let me know what it is. And we will, uh, we will support you. It'd be a pleasure. Um, and in saying that, if you have any feedback and Twitter's not enough and Facebook's not enough, please feel free to send us an email. It's uh, firecracker department, D E P T at gmail.com. And, uh, I'll be sure to respond to you. So all that being said, let's get to the interview. I had so much fun talking with Jean. Again, we talked so long that we had to take a pee break in the middle, but the middle of it. But so be it. We did it. We came back, and uh, I just think she's a really cool lady. And um, she's talked about having a bit of a hiatus from her own creation. So whatever comes out of her next will be extraordinary because she's an extraordinary person. So I hope you enjoy it. Here she is, Jean Yoon. Crazy. 
crazy crowd at the, at the um, and it was just like. <gasps> it's, it's like a. It's like an ocean, right? Taking you through. Yeah, and, and you're like bobbing off that way, and I'm. But it's like. No. Couldn't even say. Hello. And then you get these people behind, like you're talking to somebody, and they go. And you're like, oh, ah, I can't yeah. really, yeah. And it's hard. And sometimes you're the person who's like, I'm the person who's going, yeah, I know. And then there's like, of course, I'm going to interrupt you to say hi. Yeah. 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 But, but I'm glad we did this. Finally, this is yay. So great. I I down. Do you want a coffee or anything like that? Do you uh, want this yeah, water? I'd love a coffee. A coffee? Okay, let me go get you one. I'll be right back. Well, I, I haven't listened to all of the podcasts, but I've li- listened to a fair number of oh, them. Nice. Well, it's, it's, sometimes it's just like, it's fun to, it's like a... When you don't get enough girl time with other artists and just to throw it on while you're doing the housework and mm-hmm. you're listening to people talk about art and so I listened to who's which ones did I listen? I listened to most of Emma Hunter's, which was hilarious. I know. And then I listened to most of Grace's. I didn't actually finish the whole thing because mm-hmm. she was she started getting into some political stuff and my I, my brain started like firing off in, in certain ways. I yeah. just like uh, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I know I do love these for the for the lady talk. Yeah, like you and I, I've known you forever. Like I've known your work forever from and, theater and, school days. Well, from theater school. Like when days. I was at theater school, I would like your name was so prevalent because of cahoots and with oh, the right. Yoga Ono project. Like when that was did you after get out of theater school. No, no, that was after theater school. Okay, but like yeah. I just, I just knew you as a really prominent member of our theater community. And so now, like seeing yeah. you at these parties, like TV parties, yeah, and then you don't really have time till they like. I know. What are you doing? Well, we've always sort of circled, sort of in in different circles, but then every now and then you sort of, you know, you catch sight of. Yeah. Because the first time I met you, I was, I guess I'd been working with Paul Bronstein for a bit, and you were dating him at the time? Yes, yes. Yeah. But which show was that? Was that a YPT? It was probably a YPT show, yeah. Because Maya was artistic director. Yeah, yeah. Paul was really funny. Oh, man. Was that the kids' show? Was that the one? Yeah, dra- probably Dragon's Pearl, Betty Kwan play. It was oh, a, yeah. It was a, yeah. It was a fun show to do. <laughs> Yesterday was International Women's Day, right? So, but but still, this is a situation. Like we get out of the truck. There's all this stuff to unpack. You know those sets where you have to you have to unpack it and then put it together. Yeah, this is kids touring. Right? Yeah, kids yeah. touring. So the guys like George and Paul would like they'd come lift the stuff and move it into the general area and then they'd basically go play your yeah. hockey <laughs> and the other actress and I we would be like setting the rest of it up just yeah. stewing yeah yeah what a great way to start a play right <laughs> and then like it lights up <laughs> how do you put that but it's away so much fun still I mean yeah. he's such a funny guy oh he's so funny yeah he's such a because we, we, we went to theater school together he and I yeah. and oh. so he just made me laugh for, for days funny funny man and now and then he was on like Fargo. Now he's doing like serious stuff. Is he? Cool. I mean, it's always with a Bronstein. Yeah, joke he's in got it. that. Yeah, <coughs> he can't help. I it. haven't watched Fargo yet. I I need to. I I'm having um. I'm I don't watch as much television <coughs> as I should. As and you I, should. As I should. Do you feel like disconnected? A little. I feel like, well, you know what it is is like I I I've been dealing with. Uh, I'm just starting to understand that I've been in the last couple of years I've started to experience anxiety and panic attacks yeah like just quietly you know <laughs> yeah what do they look like for you my heart starts racing oh yeah yeah I, I never had that before and I, I don't have it on on stage like on stage or on camera but sometimes when I'm watching shows like I've, I've just basically come to terms with the fact that I cannot watch shows about sociopathic killers nope. and I can't nope. watch shows with a lot of gore and shooting and violence, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. 
And part of it was because after I had my kid, all I was watching was, you know, kids shows because yeah. I was watching with him. Yeah. And then once I started watching grown up stuff again, I just couldn't take it. I, you know what? You're not alone. There's stuff I, I have to leave the room for. Like if Matt and I are watching a show, I'm like, oh, this is too much. I, I, I like, let me know to... what happens from the other room. Yeah, I haven't been able to watch Game of Thrones. I did try. It's it's tough. And I, then it, what's because I found it too hard at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then I started adjusting, and I was like, oh, it's not so bad now, which isn't good either, right? I started just accepting the gore, right, and the horrorishness. Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> accepting the gore and the horror, you know. I just, uh, um, yeah, no, I, 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 there was one day where someone else was watching it, and and I popped poke my head in and then you know head gets chopped off and flies across yeah. the room and then yeah. next time I poke my head in you know someone's getting gored in some jousting match yeah. and the next one was someone who's getting slashed and, and just and that was it like, no thank I you run away how old's your kid now oh he's 14 now holy no I know he's a young man it's starting it's he's a young man now. yeah yeah that's it's, a that I my I don't have kids but my um nephew is I think he's 16 and it it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing and and it goes in leaps. Like um something happened just in this last 6 months uh in with him in high school in, in terms of his maturity, his self-awareness, um his resilience. Oh. And uh, yeah, and we've been having conversations where I have to check myself every now and then and kind of go, "Whoa, this is my kid." Yeah. He's smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's inevitable that they're going to grow up. Yeah. Like, they're not going to stay on your hip Yeah. forever. And if yeah. they did, that'd be weird. I have, like, a 14-year-old. That'd be weird. You'd be at the chiropractor all the yeah. time. Like, oh, <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, I mean, you're so involved now with the TV community. I mean, it's not new for you. Like, the Kim's Convenience success is a new, new territory. But it feels like you, you constantly ride this balance of creator and performer yeah is that is that something you've always done yeah I mean I mean I started out I started out having to produce first right so it was more advocacy producing and people didn't know I was actually an artist so okay I've had I've had numerous sort of um Detours. Yeah. Like my first acting, I saw R.H. Thompson um, at, the other night mm-hmm. at the awards. And Robert gave me one of my very first acting gigs in 1984 in Dream in the Park. Wow. So, like, we're going back to the early 80s, but there was nothing. Like, I did a couple of shows. I did the premiere production, the Toronto premiere production of uh, FOB, and David Henry Huang came to town for that. And then immediately after that, I did. Dream in the Park, or no, it was the other way around. Dream in the Park was first, and then, and then FOB. Which um, which play in the park? Uh, was Dream. Oh, it was still Dream. That was the that's year when that, they used to do. That's all when the they time. branded it, right? Mm-hmm. That was just the second year, and so that was the year. For instance, there were all of these NTS grads. Oh, I don't know, Michael Riley, yeah. um, Ted Dykstra, uh, Nigel Hamer, Susan Coyne, um, Paulina Gillis. Wow. Uh, yeah, and. Um, Oh my God! Susan Wright was Titania, so wow. What a Tony Cimolino was one of the mechanicals. Yeah, yeah. Tony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, like that, but you know, in the eighties, it was just it was impossible. Right. Um, 
It, so then you were like, I got to do something. Yeah, so I quit and I went to China and I taught English in China. For how long? For 86, 87. And that first year I was in the um, in Manchuria in the Korean minority zone. There's a whole large area north of North Korea, which is indigenously Korean. And they have an arrangement kind of like Quebec where there's two language systems, two school systems, um, a number of right. other sort of cultural uh, allowances was very poor at the time and um, and then I came back and I studied Mandarin and I was writing as well but had you left like I quit I quit no, I quit you're just like I was just fed up and it was not it wasn't just that there were a bunch of other things going on a bunch of other yeah disappointments yeah and then um, and is then that I, a thing that is that in your nature just to quit things or was that a real departure for you it seemed to me that um, I, if I had stayed, I wouldn't be an actor still. I would have been so embittered, right. and I wouldn't have grown. There was no opportunity to grow. Right. Um, so. And you're just hitting roadblocks. Yeah. Like, what was, was what were the roadblocks that you were hitting then? Oh, because they're okay. different now. It would be like I'd walk into an audition room and I could see their faces fall. Like, what? Why is she here? What? What are we get? Well, I was. There were not. Asians, there was no, nobody, right. nobody in the community who was making a regular living off of it. Everybody was doing something else. Right. In terms of theater, you might get one or two shows every, like over a two year period. Right. And film and TV, forget it. It was all, it was all accented roles. They were all minor acting roles, if at all, mostly uh, background. There was wow. no, there was nothing. It was, there was nothing. I mean, I mean, you say that, and I'm, and I'm like, wow. But I, I mean, we know, right? We yeah. know that that didn't. But yeah. I look at what your career is now, and I can't imagine a time when you didn't have success because you're such. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I have such. Yeah. No, there was. It was really bad. It was like, and if it was a, if it was a, if it was a, um, like a, a campus show or a, like sort of the equivalent of a fringe or summer works where, where it'd be like minimal pay or no pay at all or, or whatever. Yeah. I would call when I called to 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 arrange an audition, I, I would actually say up front, look, I'm Asian. If that's a problem, I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste mine. Oh my God. And then more than 70% of the time, there'd be this pause like, <sighs> and you could hear the, the wheels turning, Asian, well, we don't want an Asian. What am I supposed to say to her? I don't know. This is really awkward. <laughs> and then and it would go on. And the longer the pause was, that the, it'd be like, okay, thank you. I don't think I need to come in. And they would say you don't need to? No, or I would say, say that. Based on their yeah, reaction. I would say that. Holy yeah. crap. It was very, very No bad. wonder you just went, I'm out of here. And Well, and there was there was no, um, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Because had you, had you gone to theater school before? I didn't go to theater school. I went to U of T. Oh. And um, my, I had free tuition because my father was a professor. Yes. I, I got accepted to one drama school in New York, but as a, I didn't go. Um... Just because it was too far away, you didn't feel like... Oh, it was complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually working out of, uh, out of town that summer. I tried, I tried working at a summer camp, and that didn't go well. But in the, in the course of that, the letter came from the school saying that I'd been accepted. And, um, and I got a letter from my dad saying, Well, your mom and I agreed this would be very difficult profession for you but we didn't expect you going to school university in the uh, United States so your mom will have to get job oh, I don't know God. what kind of job she will get to help and I 
I want you to think very seriously about uh, if this is a viable kind of career for you. Wow. Which is true. Yeah, it's my, not, he's not wrong. No, and my own high school drama teachers basically tried to talk me out of it too. Oh my God. But um, yeah, but what I figured was my plan, my general plan was that, because I was also writing a lot, mm -hmm. a lot. And was that part of your curriculum or are you just doing it? No, that, that my, my plan was to be a writer and an actor huh. and to combine the two. And then I was going to try and um, try and be the forefront of an Asian Canadian movement theater-wise. And what I'd done is in high school, like, I mean, I was studying all of this, you know, basically I did the, I, I did the demographic check. So, right. so what, what, it, what was clear to me was say in, in the forties, there was this massive influx, um, to, to North America of, of refugees because mm -hmm. of, of Hitler and the Holocaust and all of that. And, and then in the sixties, you see this huge explosion of Jewish literature, Jewish uh, poetry, film, performance, everything. And uh, what had happened in Canada and the United States was that in the late 60s, early 70s, we finally saw an opening of doors to Asian immigration in Canada and the United States. And I knew that I was at the front end of it, but that it, there was more coming. Right. So I actually was telling my high school teachers, well, you know, if I do continue it, if I can actually just like, Persevere. survive, yeah. persevere, and still be standing, I'll play all the moms. Well, <laughs> you're not wrong. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not Yeah, I am. I'm playing yeah. all the moms. It's uh, kind of am amazing to me, all the actors that, um, there are so many talented actors. Um, and I, that's I, an and amazing, um, that's an amazing drive that you have. Like, yeah. if you're on the phone and people are saying, yeah, we're not sure if you should come audition because you're Asian. Like, a lot of people would be like, I'm I'm out. That's it. And you weren't, like, you kept picking yourself back up. No, but, but I did I did quit. I, I quit. I quit a bunch of times. Yeah. Like, I mean... Oh, no, we still quit, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's those days where you're like, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. And then you get I, back in. I quit and I went to China. It was pretty... Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of final. But did then... Did you think you would live in China forever when you went there? Um... The first time, no, it was really hard. It was a very hard, um, in the first time I went, it was uh, Yanji City, Jilin province. And in Korean, it's called Yonggil. It's the capital of the Korean minority zone. It only had a population of about 400,000. And at the time that I went, most homes were using coal. So wow. that at four in the afternoon in the winter, you'd go out and you'd have to wear um, a mask because there was so much particulate smog right. in the air. Um, like you'd blow your nose and it would be black. Yeah. Right. Um, and and then there were some cars, but mostly people rode their bicycles even in the winter. And then there were a lot of donkeys and there were little Vespas. And if there were any cars, they were mostly owned by you know individual downlays um, units. Like a school would have right. their vin minivan. Yeah. And the you know the the um, the clothing factory number seven would have their own minivan, that right. kind of thing. It was very hard. Um, Were you by yourself? I my I went uh, with another woman named Ruth, who's a we were childhood friends. She had a master's in English. We'd, we'd known each other. It's a Korean businessman who'd arranged it. Like he was trying to build goodwill, and so uh, that time no. But the second time I went, I went in nineteen ninety. 
91. The original plan was to leave after in 89, but then Tiananmen happened. And mm. In the interim years, I had studied Mandarin. And, wow, and, that's incredible. Yeah, I studied Mandarin. That's an easy, and, that's an easy language to so, pick up, right? Mandarin? I'm just kidding. Look at my um, face. No, it's not. Not. My niece and nephew study Mandarin in, in England. Mandarin is difficult to learn how to write. Yeah. And you have to take a lot of time learning the tones. Yeah. The patience, it, it, but if you can sing, you can speak Mandarin. Oh, that's a great note. You're yeah. right. My niece is But a... the grammar is easy. If you're an English speaker, it's dead easy. Huh. Like the grammar for Korean is, is Korean, Japanese, Mongolian, Turkish, Hungarian, Finnish are all one language group, Yolaltaic. And it's 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 the order of 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 um the way you order your thoughts and organize your thoughts in those languages is different than in English because huh. it's subject if you need it, object if you need it, verb at the end. And then once you start building up clauses and subclauses you, you kind of have to you have to order your thoughts differently but in mandarin it's subject verb object subject verb object and you don't have to conjugate verbs you uh you modify you 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 you, you modify the the tense of the verb adverbially right so um i drink coffee wa i he drink coffee coffee because it's a western wa he coffee um, Got it easy at the end. So ten yesterday. So ten wo he cafe. Chang chang often. Wo chang chang he cafe. I often uh, drink coffee. Wo he jiu cafe. I um he guo wo he cafe. Like I used to yeah. drink. So you don't have it's to. It's very musical. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just four tones. Yeah. Cantonese has like between nine and eleven, depending right. on how you do it. Cantonese is. That's hard. Mandarin's way easier. So you came back and you learned Mandarin and you're like, I'm going to go Yeah, I'm going to go back. Well, So I went back. And had you developed like a community there of people that you were like, oh, I'm going to go back and be with my people there? My In friends? China, no. No. It was just, it was just you I went Ruth. with me and, and that sec- yeah, me and Ruth the first time. Second time I went with a guy named James who I married. Oh. And <laughs> <laughs> divorced. Yeah. 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 Nice guy. You know. You know, for the time. Didn't work. Yeah. 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 Lots of crazy stories. Which right. I should probably... Do something about but yeah you so, will one day yeah. when it's when it's yeah and when then when the I right came way. back I didn't really expect it but a friend of mine uh, at that time when I came back to Toronto in 91 um, there was this by that point all the frustration in the theater community of color had built to the point where there was this um, movement uh, a government funding was available there were studies happening on cultural equity um, and uh, there were jobs that were available that had been created uh, to to address that in the theater community, mm-hmm. and I'm sure at other other levels too. But um, I ended up working at Theater Ontario as a cross cultural coordinator, and oh. developing basically collecting resources and developing programming and being a, a point person for th- uh, culturally diverse theater artists. Right. And so people were starting to know you as like an administrator or producer. That's right. As opposed to that's a performer. Right. Yeah. And then from there, um, it became, it was really clear to me that, and it had been clear to me for a while, that, that what needed to happen is um, we needed to create playwrights. We needed to create our own theater. Now, how did you know that? Like, where did you well, get Well, non-traditional that? casting has such limits, right? Yeah. Non-traditional casting basically says, if I'm a person of color, I should still be able to audition for this. Now, I think that's also true, but that is, that is not, 
it's too late. By the time the role is already created, it's too late. Wait, what's most important is the story, right? Okay. Okay. Right? Yes. Like going for, going for, like, it, it's... I see what you're saying. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, because you're not fighting two battles, right? <laughs> like, I mean, somebody like Maya Ardell, I felt like really turned the tables for me watching yeah. her cast at YPT yeah. in the 90s. It's it's definitely a strand, but, yeah. but the, uh, the but most... start Im- with playwriting. The, mo- yeah. the most important... Um, I, I felt the most important um, sort of avenue of, of approach was was creating new voices. Yeah. Because, and it's the same way, say, with with creating Canadian culture, right? We, you know, it was really important that we created we created a space and the support system for Canadian playwrights to write Canadian plays where we don't have to pretend to be British. Right. We don't have to pretend to be Southerners. We don't have to like, you know, all of that. And we're actually yeah, learning. Just tell our stories. We're telling our stories mm-hmm. to ourselves so we have a better understanding of who we are. And, um, uh, where did that drive come from though? Like, did you have parents that were really like activists, social activists at all? Um, well, my, my parents are academics. Yeah. Um, both of them? Yeah, both of them. In what field? My father uh, was a particle physicist. Okay. High energy physics, like you know all those you know they hear about charm particles and all of that stuff. That's what he okay. studied. My father's organic chemistry. So oh yeah. Similar but very different. Very uh, different. In the same way that as soon as you say chemistry, I stop overly listening. Yeah. So <laughs> my mother did a master's in chemistry, okay. and then she dropped out and had babies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's your that's your surrounding as that's you my up. surrounding. So but analytical and like, um, like fighting. Like, were they all about like seeing where they could go in their careers, and did they feel like they were limited? I, you know, it's funny because they're a little more com- like. My father was always really active in the pro democracy movement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for a lot of my childhood, Korea, South Korea was under military dictatorship. Mm-hmm. My parents had grown up in a colonized Korea and then, you know, were teenagers during the Korean War. Right. Um, and, uh, and then when they left Korea, they left to study in the United States because the United States had basically taken South Korea under its wing. And, and was, the policy was that they were going to develop South Korea so that it would rival and shame North Korea. Right, gotcha. Okay. So... Um, my father was the first tenured professor uh, of Korean descent in Canada. Wow. Actually, I'm not sure if that's true in Canada, but certainly of Toronto. So what happened was uh, he was always involved in the founding of uh, of organizations like the Korean Canadian mm-hmm. Cultural Association. He was a he was a founding member. He was a founding men- member and the and the founding and the first chairperson of the Korean Canadian Scholarship Foundation. Right. So active. Kwangju Memorial Service. Yeah. yeah, we had there was a constant stream of people who would come to our house um, because they needed their passports right. notarized. So right. he was like a spokesperson for. Yeah, and he's still around. Yeah, he's just. Um, yeah, he's still and he's still quite hale and hearty and and um, and and he still drives. He's yeah. seven. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, growing up with that kind of father is what it would instigate you going like, okay, where, what's missing from my community? How do I get more? I think so. Yeah. And I think that's why I was, I mean, one of the things uh, as an artist um, that was driving me was I did not understand, I did not understand the cultural context 
that I existed in. I was trying to understand, but there was no way saying, hey, you're Korean and that means this. Right. Hey, um, like I had to figure it out on my own. Right. And you had no role models. There was nobody. Yeah, that's, yeah, obviously. There was nobody. So then you were like, I got to create some role models. Yeah. For Were you already aware of the next generation? I was, but I wasn't aware that I like you know, that I I was create like I needed to be a role model. I just right. knew that I needed to, um, I needed to uh, like represent, represent, yeah. and and especially once I started doing film and TV acting, um, I was really aware at that time. That would have been the nineties. At that time, in the in the, I, I need to roll it back. Yeah. So theater community was. When I was at Cahoots, it was all about building community, yeah. right? And you were artistic director at Cahoots for how long? That's right, for about two years. Right. And then I, and then basically, we, we were. What happened in those days is we didn't have operating funding, so we would burn out. All of us would right. one by one burn out, and so so Move I went. I burned out, and on. I, yeah, and I, and then I went on to the board, and then I was right. like did that kind of thing. But, um, but what was really important was that, as a community of color, and also in the Asian community, that we understood that. Um, our best chance was to work together to make sure the pie was bigger, not to fight for the same gotcha. slice of the pie. Yeah. And to work together to create better work so that, um, um, so that we, ha so that we could be proud of ourselves yeah. and, and therefore be entitled to more of the pie. It's like so, marketing 101, have a good product, right? Well, and <laughs> share information because, yeah. um, the, the environment that I stepped into at, 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 when I was at Theatre Ontario, but also at Cahoots, um, was an environment of um, paranoia in, in in terms of scarcity. Like there are different responses from the, you can from have the to scarcity. No, from the the community at large, there yeah. was like anger and oh, also yeah. that like you know hoarding thing, right? Like if I have this information, I'm not going to share it, right? right. Um, and, Do you think that doesn't exist now? Well, it may exist now, but for a period. In my community, it didn't. Right. There was, um, and I, I worked personally very, 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 very hard to impress upon everyone I came in, across that the way we were going to move forward as a community was to share as much information as we could and all do our best and root for each other. And so, so for instance, in the Asian female acting community, in the 90s, if you walked into the room, there were people who would, who would literally look at you and freak out and go, oh, shit, under oh, the breath, right? Really? Yeah. yeah. There were people who would start freaking out, this, and they still do, but for yeah. the most part, um, you know, what I, I kept telling myself and other people was like, what's most important is that we go in as actors and we all uh, do a good job. Like, say there's an Asian role. Yeah. What, what used to happen is... Um, all the different Asian actors would come in and not help each other out. And because of that, we weren't growing in our right. auditions. Right, and right. then you were they, wouldn't, each they other. wouldn't be happy about who they saw. And then they cast it black because they were going to cast that role of color. Right. But really they didn't. So like the lack of support is sort of just breaking that whole community yeah. down. Yeah. Right? And so in, 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 in our community, it was like, look, we... The better we do, the yeah. more confidence the writers, showrunners, and executive producers are going to have in writing a role that's Asian yeah. 
or calling Asian actors in. So let's help each other out. You need to. You need help with a Korean accent. I can help you. Right. I've heard about this audition. I think you'd be really good. I'm going for it, but you should know about it. Right. Like actually, that kind of sharing of information. And I think it did help. I don't know what the situation is like now because I've had to pull away from the advocacy. I just got tired. Yeah. Also, as a mom. Burnout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But did you consciously go no? Like, was there a team of you that came together and went, we got to make some changes? Or was it you? There was, like, a, there was a team. There yeah. was a team. Um, we weren't necessarily... There were people like... There were people who were working on this um, change, both, you know, in terms of uh, the larger organizations changing their policy, but also mm -hmm. uh, changing the attitudes within the community. Mm -hmm. People like Sandy Ross, Brenda mm -hmm. Camino, Kishwar Iqbal, who's my agent now, but who was... For uh, you know, very out front active activist mm -hmm. in 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 terms of cultural equity, there are a lot of people who've put in um, who've put in time and yeah. effort to to change things. Now things shift back. I don't think the community vibe is at all the same now. Yeah, no, it's not. Like, do you think? Uh, I don't but, think it is either. But I have had different experiences. Like, do you think it's improved now? It's more supportive. Uh, in the Asian community? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm no longer quite this, a part of the Asian community the way I was then. Right. There's a whole younger That's strange, generation. And yet you represent them so sort fiercely of. now. Well, with I Kim's guess. With Kim's convenience. With like... Kim's convenience, yeah, to the, in this whole other strata. But in terms of theater, I haven't... Um, I haven't been following the Asian Canadian theater scene the way I used to, yeah. and I haven't felt a part of it for a while. Well, when's the last time you did? I mean, I know you did Kim's Convenience on stage mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. But when's the last time you were like, I don't know, in the in but, the dirt with in the, the dirt world? with it? Yeah. In the, like before baby. Yeah. So, before, so long time. In the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. In the dirt. Yeah. And what? A, and like, do you miss that though? Not right now. No. You know, I, I love theater, but my, my theory about theater is that it's like a bad boyfriend. Oh. Right? Like, it's, you know, the bad boyfriend who's, like, super, super sexy. Yeah. Right? And, and he tells you you're beautiful. Right. And you have the best sex ever, like, with that one. But then... They but never then, call you. But then... And, and it's like you think everything's going to be great forever and ever and ever. And then right. suddenly, you know, another shiny thing comes along and he's gone. And yeah. You're, you discover all the foods in the fridge is gone. There's like dirty laundry. They forget There's, your birthday. They forget your birthday. And, and not God, only that, he's cleaned out your make. bank account. Like, right. that's theater. <laughs> right. yeah. But the thing is, every time you hear his name, you go, oh, oh my heart. That's theater. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it. So, I mean, it is a different life. I, did, when did you see yourself departing from that community? Was it in, with Dragon Boys? Yeah, I uh, maybe. I think you know. I didn't realize I realize I was gonna leave. Yeah, like the it community. wasn't a conscious effort of because I know no. some actors in theater go. I gotta take a break from theater so I can make some money. Yeah, and they make a conscious. And I see also them going. I miss it so much. Like yeah. you know, like we're like I was from yeah. theater world as well, and I I constantly crave being on stage. Yeah. No. I I think for me, what happened was I was, um, I was I was approaching forty, and I was single. And, and I was, I really wanted to have a kid mm. and, and, um, but right. yeah. Cause I, so James, who you're married to that you, yeah, traveled, we split up that didn't mm -hmm. last. And then I was dating and th those things didn't. And then I was, you know, I was basically sort of really casually dating and telling guys like, you know, <laughs> if I get pregnant, I'll keep it. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> on the first date. On first date. Tricky. And you yeah, know what? Tricky. You know what I learned? That is the best way to get a guy to put a condom on. Oh. It's yeah. like it better than the safe sex talk. Right. Better than the better safe than dead talk. You say, if I get pregnant, I'll keep it. Right. They, they, you never have to tell them again, unless they're crazy. There was one guy who went, oh, really? That's cool. I think it'd be cool if you carried my baby. It was like, okay, you get put it on right now. Yeah. Get out. But also, get out of my get out. space. Yeah, that yeah. was it, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's yeah. really sexy uh, foreplay talk, too, hey? Oh, if, I have a, if we have a kid, I'm going to keep it. Turn the lights down. <laughs> it scares them. Yeah. It scares. It so scares you were in your forties or hitting approaching yeah, and, forty. Yeah, and so I wanted to, I wanted to have a kid, but I, and I wanted, and I just couldn't see how that would be at all viable in theater. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to actually get into TV writing. Oh, interesting. Because you had like you have a like an amazing wealth of information for as far as sorry, I'm not ready, but you have like a, a great portfolio of writing. Like you're a you're a poet and you're a playwright and you. It's a so it's a pretty it's okay, yeah. play, but 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 yeah, I was I writing know, it's a more lot. Than most people, I was writing a lot back yeah. then. So your uh, muscles were limber. Yeah, yeah. And so I was I did the CFC TV writing program. Oh, okay. But then, um, apparent about about a week before we started the program, I didn't realize it. I I got pregnant. Oh. Yeah, and that at a certain point, like all I really cared about was what they were serving in the cafeteria. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, mean, I guess that would really yeah. make your brain split. Yeah. I mean, I, I did the... And I didn't realize that that program was intended for writers to launch immediately afterwards. Like, because I really right. didn't know anything about television writing. I was such a theater snob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, in those days, if you worked in theater and you even admitted to watching TV, people would like... I know. It was so stupid. Isn't that so funny? So, um... So, but now you said you wanted, like, that was an objective of yours. You wanted to get pregnant. Were you happy when you were? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't tell anybody because I was just nervous. I'd had two miscarriages the year before. I oh, was wow. like, I didn't want, like, I was afraid that if the gods found out I was pregnant, they'd go, oh, big mistake. Yeah, yeah. So, um. <laughs> right. Just so. keep it from the, it's really hard, hard to hide secrets from the gods, though. Yeah, you just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you were a single, single gal at the time. Yeah, I had a boyfriend who just sort of ended the the, the dad who right. just sort of hung around, hung around, and yeah. But that's an interesting stage of your life too, to have been creating and then suddenly have your brain brain split into motherhood creating. Yeah, and it's funny. I wrote a um, I, got, I had a YPT commission at the time. Oh yeah. For which one? Um, Hongbun Nobu, the tale of the magic. Oh princess. yeah, right. Yeah, so. Um, that and then felt Alan, great to have a commission. Yeah, uh, well, it, it was it was great, and and um, and because I had been doing so much writing in the CFC program, I basically just booked off three weeks, and um, kicked, basically told the boyfriend that he had to leave at like nine in the morning, and he couldn't come back till at least two or three. <laughs> okay. And I wrote in the mornings, and I had cue cards with the scenes, and I I wrote I wrote the I wrote it in like. Two three weeks, like very steady, a couple of hours every day, and then that was that. Wow, you're a disciplined woman. Yeah, well, that was then. Like now, I don't know. I don't know what's happened to my writing. I don't fully understand it. But um, yeah, are you taking a departure now? Do you I, write I, at all? I'm not writing now. Yeah. I there's something going on deep inside that I haven't quite uncracked. Yeah. Um, cracked open. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. There's sometimes that I'm. I, I feel like it's muscles too. Like you, the CFC program, your muscles were so like poised. Part right? of it's so. muscles. Part of it's about certainty about what I want to say and why. Yeah. 
And part of it's fear because some of the things I want to say, I'm afraid to say out loud. Because of, of people that it affect or because of y- y- yeah. your digestion of it? No, it's maybe both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. But it's, sometimes it's not right, too. Like, like, I know, like, my mom has dementia, and I know that that is something I need to write about at some point. But it's been, it's been almost 10 years now, and it's yeah. too, I can't. I don't know, there's something about even sitting down and writing anything to do with it. It's too, it's too much for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too painful, it's too personal. Yeah, yeah, maybe And sometimes, too... sometimes, especially with really close family stuff, it feels like, Sometimes it feels like um, you're into territory where you ask yourself, "Am I invading someone else's privacy? Am mm-hmm. I? Am I?" Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, a there's a level thing. of respect that I'm very conscious of with yeah. that kind of story. But I think you're right in saying like, when you know what you need to say, you write it. Yeah. When your voice is strong or your voice yeah. is clear. I'm pretty close though. I could feel it. But yeah. It, I, yeah. But there's a there's a period where for whatever reasons I was just like stuck in a way. It, like you know the people talk about writer's block, and I don't really think it, like what I've experienced doesn't feel like writer's block. Feels like the wrong word. It feels more like I'm there's a part of me that's locked in a room. Right. That it's like it's like there's a creative part of me that. That freaked out and locked my locked it herself into a panic room, right. and now doesn't know how to get out. Why do you think you did? Why do you think you got locked in that room? I have a lot of theories. I don't know if I want to discuss it yeah. here, but but yeah. <clears throat> so I'm really lucky to have a job right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I love the story of Kim's convenience, but um, you know, and everybody who knows you guys as a cast think it just came out of nowhere, right? There's this like, oh, it's Kim's Convenience, but it's, how, how long ago did you do the Fringe show? Well, we did the Fringe show in July 2011. Right. And Ince had been working on it and writing it off and on for a number of years before mm-hmm. that. I don't know how long. Now, had you known him before? Yeah, actually, first time I met Ince, he was about 16. My mom said, you know, my friend's son, uh, her son is very talented, wants to be actor. You need to go meet him and give him encourage. So uh, I saw him, uh, yeah, he was about 16, and I saw him with his Christian rock band. Right on. Yeah. Right on. But that's interesting because it's also paralleled like to your early days of supporting community. Yeah. And yeah, and he auditioned for the Okona Project. No But kidding. then he went back to school. Yeah, went to York. And I first met Paul just uh, right after he came out of U of T because uh, I was president of Cahoots at the time and we were doing producing Mom, Dad, I'm Living with a White Girl. Mm-hmm. Patrick Gallagher got a show at YPT. Everyone panicked. They found Paul. Paul was hilarious. But, you know, so he funny. was like 23 and he was playing with Dad. Right, Basically because yeah. he was losing his hair. Yeah. It's so funny. I love yeah. those actors that when they hit their like forties, fifties, they're like, "Oh, thank God," because they're sort of like in their age that they're actually yeah. comfortable being. Yeah. Like, never comfortable doing twenty-year-old stuff. Yeah. So I've known like Paul Ince and Paul a long time. Like yeah. we're, we're talking, like I guess Paul I met in the mid nineties. About the same. Both of them I met them for, for the first time in the mid nineties. But I yeah. wouldn't say um, mid to late nineties. But I wouldn't say I really knew them that well. I knew yeah. Paul better. Um, sort of celebrates the chemistry on that show too. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you guys have a shorthand that is not yeah. uh, Rafael from yeah. easily. Yeah. Oh, but you know what? Ince's um, mom and dad were my grandmother's minister. 
What? Yeah. So my grandmother, my grandmother, uh, his mom and dad are, yeah, so my grandmother was, um, when she was living at our house, she would, she would get bored and she would, you know, she was very, she was very, she needed attention. <laughs> she would, she'd call, she would call her minister and go, I'm dying, you better come. Oh. Then it, his, his, Ince's mom and dad would come. Go over. And they, with their hymnals and their, and their Bibles and they would sing hymns for her and she'd feel better and then they'd, they'd go home. Wow. And apparently my grandmother was known as the, the lady who always says she's dying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My grandmother went through that too, actually. She'd be like, yeah. I'm dying. And I'm like, you're 95. Yeah. That's okay. It's all yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. By the time she was actually dying, she didn't have the energy to call anybody. Right. She's just very quiet. Yeah. She so was... the transition, though, like from your theater life to film and TV life, like how was that for you? Was that like, was it gradual or was it like Dragon Boys? I saw a clip of Dragon Boys. I haven't seen the whole thing, but it's yeah. amazing. Dragon Boys was amazing. That's like, I feel like that was a real turning point in not only maybe your career, but in like the things that people were watching. Yeah, we were hoping it was going to be even more so. But um, but yeah, there was a bunch of things happening at once. Um, so Dragon Boys, we shot it in 2005. Um, I guess I started... The big thing was, like, 1998, Kish, who had been cross-cultural coordinator at the Ontario after me, he'd gone on to do a bunch of other things, but he, then he, you know, he became an agent, and then he became my agent. So we had, you know, we had a shared mission, right? Yeah. Um, and the great thing was that he knew before I did when a role was stereotypical or a project yeah. was, you know, had racist undertones. He just wouldn't send me. Yeah. So he protected you. He protected me completely. Yeah. And he advocated for me. And he got me into uh, C casting directors who, um, yeah, it was, he, he really, he, we, we, once we were working together, things started to move quite quickly. So I was getting uh, more and more work film and TV, better and better work, mm -hmm. more confidence. Better and, roles. Yeah, better roles. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, including, say, for instance, Dragon Boys. And um, and then in the, in the middle of that, too, I had a baby. Um, but I was able to do that because, um, you know, you work three or four days. Like, I, I was still yeah. living like a theater artist, but I was making, you know, the occasional enough film and TV money that um, I could take care of my kid, yeah. and then basically shoot two or three days on average great. a month, yeah. and that was good. Yeah. So that worked out. And great. creatively, were you satisfied? Creatively, at the beginning, I was still writing. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, as 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 we got into the late two thousands, things got really rough. Right. And it was just more and more difficult. Yeah. There's a lot of, I've got a lot of unfinished projects. Yeah. And I don't know if, they. I don't know if they're salvageable or not. I think some of them, there's one that might what be. What salvageable? Like, why are they unfinished? There's one play uh, that I've been working on for a long time, and it may, I think it's salvageable. Like, there's a lot of really good writing in it, but it's not, it's not whole. It, sometimes... It's not whole, and I don't really right now uh, know where, who, or where 
it will find a home because okay. the final the final um, the final um, development stage of a play is is production is rehearsal yeah. and production yeah. right but to do that you need to have a team that's on board and a theater that's on board and yeah. right now I can't see that in fact one of the reasons I, I haven't been rushing it is that um, there's a mom character in there and there's nobody else to play that role but me right and it's actually right. a really painful play yeah and I can't actually imagine acting in it night after night yeah 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 <clears throat> yeah um it gets a really really painful it's wild play. though in our community that there's only one person that can play that part there there's I mean I get else. it I can't yeah. I mean, well I, I mean I'm I we immigrated to Canada in 1965 um I don't actually know another Korean Canadian artist who's older than me who like, I was not born in Korea. I was born in the U.S. That's right. Yeah. I don't know anybody... Like, even Ince and Paul, they are born in Korea. Right. You right. know? Like, yeah. that's how young the community yeah, is, yeah. right? And it's not like you can go to the casting directors from uh, Kim's Convenience and say, who else went out for Uma? Because nobody else went out for Uma. Well, there, there are a few people, but... <laughs> was there? Yeah, there are a few people. But I don't think that... Um, I don't think... It's not quite quite there yet yeah so we'll see so then as you transitioned into tv and film did you was that difficult or was it kind of like great now i get to just do this like with kim's convenience taking over from like the other roles that you've been doing were you are you happy and satisfied just living in the kim's convenience world right now i'm 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 pretty happy with just the kim's convenience world yeah. um i mean I, i've been doing other things here and there but yeah. uh before kim's convenience i've done you know, I'd done a, a really solid... I basically systematically worked through the types. Um, like, I, I, when I started... When I started right at the beginning, I was kind of going, okay, they're casting Asians as reporters mm -hmm. and doctors. Right. So I got my reporter outfit. Right. I got my doctor outfit. I had the jargon. I went. I landed those ones. I got it. I got them all until yeah, check. I board it. Check. Okay, you guys know I can do that. You yeah. guys know I. Yeah. Then I moved on, right? Yeah. Um. So a lot of experts, coroners, right. lawyers, all judges, um, and then every now and then something juicy comes along. What's like juicy for you? Well, like Dragon, Dragon Boys. Boys yeah, is juicy. that's that was a killer role for you. That was really fun. Yeah, it and, looked super fun. Yeah. Like as far as like. And it was stuff. a great team. Jerry Chikoridi was directing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Right. Well, when I read the breakdown, because it was all... Dragon Boys was a miniseries about three worlds, right? The Chinese gangster world and, um, a, you know, the Chinese-American... Uh, Chinese-Canadian cop in Vancouver and then a family that's, that's broken apart. Um, and uh, we had an amazing cast. Uh, we had... T um, um, Eric Zhang, Zhang Qiwei, who's a huge star in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Huge. Was that your husband? My husband, yeah, yeah. He was incredible. He's he's huge. He's like, you know, he's, he's like he's like cross between Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Wow. But he's Asian. Mm -hmm. And he directs and he writes. And, and he acts. Mm -hmm. But he likes acting because you can make more money in less time, <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> and we had Byron Mann and Stephanie Sung and Tai Mon. It was really an all-star team uh it was great did you know when you auditioned for that that you got it was that one of those roles that you walked in going now this is mine no 
No, and, I, and in fact, when I got the breakdown, I was wondering whether I wanted to audition for it. Cause, Why? Well, because I, I looked at the breakdown and it looked like, like maybe it was just another uh, gangster thing. Right. Like, did I really want to be a part of this? Right. But then Kish told me that Jerry was directing. I was thinking, okay, if Jerry's directing. And then I looked at the sides and they were actually really interesting. And then when I was in the audition, the direction that Jerry gave me basically popped it open. Which, and what by, was it? Do you remember? I can't remember, but he's an actor's director, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he, you know that he's one of the founding, um, founding artistic directors of Buddies and Bad Times. I did not know. Yeah, that. him and Sky started Buddies and Bad Times. Nobody remembers that. that I mean, yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. Um, wow, amazing. Yeah. yeah, you go back and it's amazing. There. Yeah. So um, I, so after at the end of that audition, by the time I'd finished the audition, the callback with with Jerry, I knew I wanted it. Right, 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 which is the worst. I knew I wanted it, I knew I had a chance. Yeah. And then when I got it, it was like, cool. But then when I read the script, I actually started screaming and running the house around the house and I called Kish and go, oh my God, oh my God. It's even better than you realized. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was good. So then, cause you, uh, uh, like in your callbacks, were you wanting it more and more? Like, I think it's always the worst when I want something. Like usually I audition, I'm like, yeah, it comes and goes. Yeah, I, I want it. I, you know, I, like, this is such a bad attitude. When I went in, like, it said it was supposed to be in Cantonese, and I don't speak Cantonese. I speak Mandarin. And and I was so skeptical about the project based on the big breakdown because I'd seen so many of these, like, totally cliched, racist, right. Chinese yeah. gangster things that my goal at that time was to do the scene in Mandarin and impress the casting director and then get eliminated because I was speaking Mandarin, not Cantonese. Right. That was my intention. Right. Good goal. Do, yeah. do the best job I can. Show them you can, you know, you can perform in Mandarin yeah. and then move on. But uh, that's not what happened, obviously. So I didn't, I didn't go in intending to right. get it. Yeah. I went in intending to give a good performance. Do my job. Yeah. You know. Impress the casting director. Also, like you know, so when we go in and when we do, this is the thing actors forget, is that um, we need to do a good job to support the casting director too. Because if you do a really lousy audition, it embarrasses yeah. the casting director and it lets them oh, down. Oh gosh, right? I don't need any more pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so just, you do a solid job and do that, and then, so I. I it wasn't until after I'd done the callback with Jerry that I really, really wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So then, and as far as Kim's convenience, was it the same process? Like, you were kind of, was it kind of like, I think I'm a shoe-in, but... I thought I should be a shoe-in. Yeah. Um, I wasn't attached to the project. Right. Um, I, I auditioned along with everybody else. And to be honest, I was a little unnerved by that. And, and like... Because I know how many people are out there. There was a, like, okay. Um, my first audition Yeah, and you've was, proven yourself on stage. Yeah, time, and I'd proven again. myself on stage. So mm -hmm. there's a part of me kind of going, what's going But I did a first audition, and do you know, um, do you know Bill Webster? Um... He's an actor at Salt Pepper. He's, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. He's probably yeah. 70, big yeah, yeah. guy, lovely man, Absolutely. big, big energy. But I was, he was the reader that day. I think he was reading a scene. We were doing a scene with Janet, the yeah. daughter. And, oh, 
Wait, he was your audition in... in he was reading... He for, was, the, yeah. for the film? For the TV show? For the TV... Okay. For the audition for the TV okay. show. So it was like... It was just like... It was just not a good audition. He was up for Janet's role as well, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it wasn't a good audition, but you got called back. I got called back, and that one was, that was obviously fine. better. Yeah, yeah. So, so then when you started like did, in the first season, how was that adjusting to doing like a full-time show? Oh, this that is was the first really time fun. you've done like recurring, right? I know you've had a regular on like Orphan Black and things like that, but they were they were recurring, but it wasn't really regular. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really different. Well, you know when when you're when yeah. you're regular on something, but it, but it it's great because it's suddenly it's your home. Right? Yeah, yeah. And you're coming. And the crew's your the family, crew. and, and you get yeah. to really develop relationships because you know when you're a day player and you come in, you have to learn a lot of names really fast. There's a few people you recognize from other projects yeah. and stuff, and that's great. Um, but when you are a regular, it's a it's really different. It's like you're not a guest; you're at home. Yeah. And when you're number one or number two, um, you set the tone. Right. For the whole show, and you set the tone for how people interact. Um, like crew-wise too. Yeah, yeah. crew-wise too. Yeah. The level of courtesy, the level of generosity. Yeah. And Paul and I have been very conscious of that because we have been so often the the awkward guest on other people's right. shows. Yeah. And um, it's one of the things I love the best is 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 uh, welcoming new people mm-hmm. to the set. It makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. And it takes so little to make someone comfortable. So little. And when they're comfortable, they do better work. Oh my God, I was just talking to Danny Kind about that. Like, yeah. yeah I think it's so important. Yeah. Nobody ever does good work based on lacking in confidence. Yeah, and well, and if you're, if, you're, if you're not confident, then if you do need help, you're scared to ask mm-hmm. for it. Like, mm-hmm. one of the... I remember when I was younger as, as an actor and just... Um, realizing that I could ask for, say, a sandbag to hit the mark, right? right. Like, these little things. Yeah. Like, or an apple box to put your feet on because your feet don't touch the ground. Those right. things make right. a big difference. Yeah. So, especially when we have new people on set, like, I'm watching for that. That was really important, I think, especially in season one when we had a, um, a number of Koreans, actually, who were on oh, set. Oh, yeah. Because um, they had the church scenes. And one of the uh, actors who ended up being on our show was... Uh, one of Ince's older sisters. Okay. And, and I realized that she was just like, they just left her in her trailer. She didn't know yeah. anything. I was like, no, come on. I'm going to show you but around. But you remember, like, I your remember. first trailer time going, I'm just going to sit in this little, tiny and little they, room. And nobody knows to bring me snacks. Yeah. I haven't eaten since, like, I'm starving. <laughs> and I don't even know. Maybe everybody's gone home at this I know, point. I don't I know. know if they've forgotten about I me. Know. And then you get a knock, and then you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. 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 So it's really great to be. It's really great to be in that position to be able to, you know. Yeah. And with yeah. Paul too, like it seems like Paul you guys is do great. that together. Yeah. You, yeah. You and host. You guys are like the host Paul of the Paul very much so. Party. Yeah. And one of the one of the really lovely things that Paul does is once the, the day is wrapped, he'll actually go around and shake everybody's hands. The crew. Every day. Pretty much, oh, yeah. Oh my God, that guy. I know. Making I, us all look bad. I don't do that. <laughs> I've got a wig on, so yeah. I'm rushing off right, to get, get the wig off. off my head. Well, well, yeah, but also, so it, it's, the sooner it's off, the sooner like hair and makeup can go home. Right, that's good of you. You know, and they yeah. have long days. So. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, that was one another uh, another great thing is that like the 
the uh, gal who does hair on our show, Renee Chan. I actually know her also from the 80s. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you've put this like team together that you used to have in the theater world, but here now. Something like that happened. Yeah. There's a, there's been a, quite a bit of that. Yeah. There, well, there are people who've survived, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't have any say in, in any of that. Um, no, just luck. Just luck. Yeah. yeah. You and the universe have been talking. Yeah. I did have a question for you yeah. about uh, your, this, this whole, like, this whole Me Too movement. How is that? Where do you put that in your world? Is that... Um, yeah. I know. I feel the same way, and I just thought I would see how you navigate your way through it. Well, for me, I think the most important thing to take note of is that um, sexual harassment, harassment in general, but sexual harassment occurs when there is a huge power disparity, and when, especially when power is centralized, and there's, there, you know, and and, and it, it's it's it, we have a really vertical structure, so that. The person, the same person who may be harassing you, is a person who can stop you from getting work or promote you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most important thing that I think we need to keep in mind. Um, we need to look at not just taking like pe- like people are sort of focusing on you know individuals who have been abusers, mm-hmm. yeah. right? But the, I think if the movement is to make the most profound impact that it could, it will eventually address the centralization of that kind of power. Yeah. Whether it's in a little theater mm-hmm. or um, uh, uh, a big production company. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you're f- you worked with Soul Pepper for a long I time did. too. And I did. They went for a real. Yeah. And, and one storm last yeah. month. And the thing. Uh, about sexual harassment and sexual abuse in, in the workplace is that from what I've seen um, not just in the theater world is that an environment where sexual harassment can occur is an environment that's already littered with all kinds of abuses mm-hmm. of power yeah and that the if there's one central abuser I, I think the thing is we need to look for patterns if there's a central abuser there's often have you noticed that those guys will often surround themselves with people who are young and not as experienced? They're the kind of people who won't challenge right. them and check yeah. them. So there's that. And so, so then you see people who are being used. Right. Right? Um, to um, perpetrate little kinds of little, little microaggressions. Yeah. Um, what do you do? What do you do when you see that kind of abuse of power? How do you deal with it? I well I I I um I I'll I'll focus on the on the on the complaint like what my issue is mm-hmm. but it doesn't I get so baffled by it that I'm you? I'm sometimes muted because I don't know how to express that kind of ridiculousness that that'll I happen too yeah. yeah and so and there are the times where I'll like I'll, I'll be calling like equity or I'll be calling whatever saying um can I just confirm blah 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 but it doesn't make you friends. Right. I mean, and, this and is it. it. There, are, there are repercussions that are silent and, and that are unprovable. And this is, this is the hard thing to navigate, Yeah, because right? people have become silent because of that. Mm-hmm. And it ha- that has to and so, be done. We can't do that anymore. Yeah, you can't, we can't do it. But at the same time, there's all this kind of weird navigating that mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to do. And then, 
like for me, I'm I'm out of range in terms of of like that kind of sexual that kind of sort of uh, front page sexual harassment. Right. I'm just not I'm not targeted. I'm not young. I'm not cute. I'm not. Um, I'm I'm the same age as the kind of guys who are abusing, right? Right. But you still you see it. it I can see it. Yeah, when it happens to other people too. Yeah, I can see it when it happens. Uh, no, would people. mess with you. But, is but the what guys. I'm saying. But the, yeah, but, yeah. But the point. My point is that the guys who are my age who do that kind of stuff, they don't do it in front of me. Right. You hear stuff. Right. And then you have to warn people. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it's really hard to. I mean, I don't. I I feel like your uh, Kim's convenience set is full of love like you guys have such support and like that journey to we New have York a- and yeah it just seems like a really great family that and I think that it's because of you and Paul too that you guys host in a way that is really safe and really communicative and no it's the, the Kim's Convenience TV show is awesome mm-hmm. it's awesome yeah have you yeah. experienced anything like that before a couple of times yeah, yeah. a couple of times um yeah, I've, I've been fortunate. I mean, I wouldn't have stuck with it um, right. this long if I hadn't experienced it more than a few times along the way, but never in quite the same sustained way as I have on this show. Yeah. And never with the rewards and the security. Because, like, this is the first time I've been, in my in my working career, that I have been really out of debt. There have been periods where I've, I've right. gone, gone around going, oh, oh, I'm out of debt, but I'm not really out of debt. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but yeah. now you've but got now out of debt and you're going to Mexico. And I'm going to Mexico <laughs> and I've got some savings. Yeah. And, um, and there's, a, there's a pile of money for the taxes and it's all good. Yeah. So that, yeah. I've never been, uh, it's, and it's such a relief. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a relief. It's nice also to be able to say, I'm going to take this month off and I'm not going to audition. Yeah. Gonna, which I did, like, there were a bunch of things that came up, like, February, January, February. But they were going to shoot in March. And I, I talked to Kish. I talked to my agent. And I said, mm, oh you know what? God. I'm going to pass because I don't want to even have, I don't want to even entertain the possibility of shooting in March because I just want to take my kid yeah. to. yeah. You don't have to have that discussion of like, should I yeah. go to Mexico or should I do this gig? You don't have that. And the CSA week is pretty intense. It is. How it? do you find your way through that? Well, because you're you're you do a little social media stuff. Yeah, I've been trying to do better at it. Yeah, I'm not that good at it yet. <laughs> I think you're so interesting. I love like the journey that you've been on as an artist. Like, and you too. Oh, oh my thanks. god. I mean, even like I, I, I really love seeing theater people in TV and film stuff because you just know it's part of their craft. It's not, you know, it's not a facade or it's not just like them wanting to be watched. Do you know what I mean? Like I yeah. can see that you've done some great. And you can see choices. You can see when people are, you know, are gonna go back, right? Yeah. You, yeah. Will you go back to theater? Oh yeah. Yeah. At some point, on my terms. Right. What's a role? <laughs> what's a role in theater that would make you go back? I don't know. Uh, I don't think about roles. I a long, or a long project, time ago. Or something to work with. Maybe? I think maybe next the next play that I have written. Yeah. The next thing I go back. Or I, if if someone if someone's got a, a show that I'm really excited about, like I've been, I've, there've been a few offers, but I timing wise or I I don't want to tour. I can't tour right now. Yeah. It's just. I got a teenager yeah. and I don't want to leave home. It's not financially, it's not worth it. Artistically, I have yet to see something that would make me want to leave mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I th I think that the next thing will probably be something more. It's more like a, like more personal. Yeah, or as a writer, mm -hmm. going back in yeah. as a writer. But we'll see. I'm just sort of taking this time right now to organize and enjoy. Yeah, where I'm at. Yeah, I yeah. So you should. Mm -hmm. Um, I do this thing at the end of my my discussions of um things that are inspiring you. Are you reading anything right now that you love? No, I'm you know what I'm doing? I'm I'm obsessed with the the Mueller uh Trump Russia Mueller thing. Right. So all of my reading That's right where now your is, focus is. is like yeah, New York Times, Washington Post, Doesn't that Mother make Jones. you so angry? <sighs> sometimes I get not sometimes I get angry um mostly um I go from Sometimes I have to be careful of becoming despondent. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, one of I the things that. Uh, that I that that I found difficult is that I'm following it very closely, but I, I, most people that I'm I, I I hang out with can't handle they can't handle it. Yeah, and they don't want to hear about it. And and um, if I start talking about it or posting about it to the extent that. Um, that that it's occupying my gray matter. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I would piss off a lot of people. Yeah, I guess so. You. So, for instance, people are exhausted. Exhausted. Yeah. So, um, uh, Annie Bradley and Kate, um, Taryn Walton, and I, we're all obsessed with the thing. So mm. we've gotten together a couple of times, basically just to. To rant yeah, about it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it. and Karen actually printed out like that the day of the that that those thirteen Russians and the three um, Russian organizations were indicted by Mueller. Mm -hmm. That was one of the days we had hooked up to talk about it, and she printed out uh, the indictment, and we we sit there we sat there and drank wine and read it out. Wow, <laughs> we're total oh, wow. nerds. But if it, you're I, wondering what to write about, that's a pretty great scene of these women yeah, sitting around. I, I'm just, uh, I just hope that they get it, the American side. I hope that they get him out soon. Now, right now, I've just been focusing on what's going on in the states, just trying. Well, to it reverberates, right? Yeah, the yeah. anti, the, the 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 racism, yeah. and the the anti. I mean, we look stuff. to the states so much for leadership, so yeah, it, it's inevitable that it reverberates. Yeah. Hopefully they'll get him out. Well, soon. that's a that's a bucket of inspiration, that kind of stuff. <laughs> are you watching anything? Are you like um, TV shows or podcasts that you're really inspired I'm by? I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. What are you listening well, to? Well, I listen to Firecracker Thank Department. Thank you so uh, much. Very supportive. Uh, I listen to a bunch of different podcasts on Crooked Media. Uh-huh. Do you listen to those? I uh, don't, no. Um, Pod Save America. Oh, you're like... Love it or you're leave it. into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, the, the news stuff. Yeah. Plus... Um, I, I already, I've already listened to, uh, well, you can see what I've got. Well, do you balance it with anything that's super goofy so that you're not just inundated with comedies? that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm big into comedies. Like, I, have you, have you watched The Good Place? I have. I just saw the first two episodes and I liked it. Oh, uh, yeah. it's, it's funny. It's interesting, it's funny. isn't it? Yeah. Watch it. And wa she's not like a likable character necessarily right off the bat right no she's not at all likable yeah i but, don't know where she goes after the second episode but i was like that's interesting for oh it's a beautiful good. blonde lady not to be likable it's great good and um um yeah the writing mm -hmm. is great mm -hmm. and the season one 
twist okay. at the end. All you right. just gotta go that I'll you gotta go in. all the way okay. in. It's a really good antidote. That I was show, that say, show you gotta find is that a one. really good antidote to the Trump stuff because it's a show basically about the notion of goodness and morality. Yeah. And what is it what is moral and what isn't immoral? Like and can you be a better person? Yeah. So those, those yeah, that stuff is Well that'll keep you balanced and your yeah. kid. Yeah, that's what yeah. I've been watching. And he's introduced me to, what is it? Bob's Burgers. Burgers. Fantastic. Yeah. You don't like it? Uh, I like it. <laughs> when I'm watching with him. Like, this is, uh, what else has he got me watching? He had me watching, um, oh. You got the, your finger on the pulse of, like, new television having a 14-year-old around. Yeah. Like, that's. But he'll actually say, you, you're not going to like this, Mom. Right. This. You're not going to like it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I like, think, yeah. I like think. weird stuff. Like he had me watching One Punch Man. Have you oh, seen? I don't know that one. <laughs> it's a Japanese anime. And okay. this guy with superhero power. But he's so demoralized because he can basically vanquish anyone with one punch. Right. So he's like, he's like an everyday sort of work guy, but he's, he's just, yeah, he's, I think he's depressed, but then every now and then some some <laughs> some some monster will come and he's like, okay, fine. One and, then punch. He'll, and then he keeps hoping that somebody's gonna beat him, but right. he's like, one punch. Right. <laughs> That's a real interesting connection to our life. If only things could be handled at one punch. Wouldn't huh? that be great? I don't know. Then you maybe get depressed that you haven't got more to do. Like I've got all this energy and so many punches within me and all it takes is one punch <laughs> i don't know well i so love talking with you that and i really think fun. i think you've got so so much like intelligence and a depth to everything that you're doing and i just love seeing you on Aww. film and on stage and anything you create thanks i can't wait to see what you do after your hiatus thank you thank you, you. it was really fun And that's Jean Yoon. Go and find out what she's doing, what she's thinking, what she's creating. She's extraordinary. Uh, Jean underscore Yoon in the old Twitter world. And while you're over there, drop us a line. Let me know what you thought about this interview. Uh, let me know what you didn't like about this interview. I'll take it. Bring it on. Um, I'd love to have you part of the conversation. Firecracker D-E-P-T is our Instagram and Twitter account. And again, please join us for the last Sunday of the month when we actually have a live conversation. Maybe I'll find like some past Firecracker folks to join me and we'll actually have like a duo video. Wouldn't that be fun? It would be fun. Trust me. It'd be fun. Finally, keep in touch with us because we... Uh, it hasn't been confirmed, confirmed, but we have some live panels coming up in Hollywood and in Toronto. So uh, make sure you keep in touch with us so that we can keep you in the loop of where we are, because I'd love to see your faces. Um, thank you so much for all the folks that are writing and supporting. It means so much to me, truly. I really appreciate it. So go get at her. Go seize the day. Take it on. Inspire or be inspired. And let me know what you're up to so we can reverberate into this community. Thanks, everybody. I'm Naomi Sneakers, and this has been the Firecracker Department.